Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in. Welcome to the Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me as always is Sam Chung. Hello once again, and Marissa, can I just say right off the bat, I was pleasantly surprised by the positive reception we got from our recap of A Perfect Man last week. I was not expecting so many people to be such ardent fans of the 2005 film A Perfect Man, but apparently it still holds a very sentimental place in the zeitgeist for several people. It's a rom-com classic, Sam. (laughs) Clearly, this was something that I had no idea about, but yeah, I mean, we were very pleased that other people were pleased that we talked about A Perfect Man, and can I just say, I'm very pleased that I know now what A Perfect Man is and how to identify one. Yeah, I mean, that was quite a chaotic episode to record. Yeah. So. Yeah, and let me say, if I find a perfect man, you better watch out. If you find a (laughs) perfect is there something I don't know? (laughs) No, but I'm just saying, if the perfect man strolls by, it might just be, like, irresistible. I don't know. If there's a young girl out there who's willing to ruin my business, my life, (laughs) All for in the name of a perfect man. I do have to say man. that you finding a perfect man would be the queer twist to our relationship that I am not <laughs> expecting. <laughs> well, you know, or maybe the perfect man was inside me all along. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that you think that you are the perfect man? Um, I mean, I wasn't going to say, I mean, you, your words, not mine. It was a question. It was like, do you consider yourself to be, I guess you're okay. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you. But that was last week, and now it is this week. And that what is a how week time is. works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be our last podcast from a closet floor. I can't wait. My butt hurts. <laughs> it's pretty bad down here. It's like just the thought now of sitting in a closet on the floor just triggers my butt. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, nope, not today. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that it is not something we need to do again. Yeah, it was an experience that we had, and I never need to have it again. And that's why we're going to keep it tight this week. Keep it snappy. Keep it snappy. And what what an episode we have in store for you, because... (laughs) No small talk. We're just going to dive right in. Do you have any small talk? Well, no. Okay. (laughs) No, but even if I did, I would skip it because the content that we have to review today is just so riveting that I just want to talk about it right away. A modern classic. A classic classic. A classic classic. I mean, is this really a modern classic if if it's from like 1950s? That's true. Yes. Today we are discussing, we are reviewing, we are analyzing the book within the Lizzie McGuire world, 
The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club by Magnolia Praline. Maybe, but as discovered by Persimmon Persnickety. As discovered by Persimmon <laughs> Persnickety. Yes, very exciting. Um, What was the occasion that I got this for you? Did I get this for you for your birthday? I believe you did. This was a birthday this gift that birthday I found gift. at a used bookstore just for you. Um, for those of you who may not remember, this book showed up in the episode uh, Mom's Best Friend in which uh, Lizzie and Joe make pottery together like the movie Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) That's really not the point of the episode. (laughs) Well, then I guess they missed the point because that was my big takeaway. They go have pottery like Patrick Swayze and (laughs) Demi Moore. (laughs) No, but Sam, this is serious business because this book gives us all of Lizzie McGuire's inner thoughts that directly lead to mom's best friend. It's like she reads this book for school. Now she wants her mom to be her best friend because of this book. And also, what do you know? You also happen to get me a copy that says at the very top, property of Lizzie McGuire herself. (laughs) So we have Lizzie's copy of the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club. Yes, annotated by Lizzie herself. Yes. Some wild annotations in this book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We will definitely get to that. Also, just like the book cover itself. Can we just like unpack it for a second? Because it's really giving me, I don't even know what it's giving me. It's design, do better is what it's giving me. Yeah. So on the front, there's um, a brunette girl. She's on the, the left hand side of the cover and she's staring wistfully at a porch. Yes, it's like back of the head stare. We don't see her face. And then to the right, someone's photoshopped in (laughs) the ace of hearts, larger than her, and a flower. An orchid. An or well, but like a sad orchid. It's like if you cut an orchid in half and you're just looking at half of it. You know what it looks like? It looks like so when I was a teenager, I wrote my earliest books you know wrote books I put that in quote I mean I did but what I'm trying to say is what these look like is when I would like very terribly photoshop together like fake covers for my book or like here like the an aesthetic for like it basically looks like a 13 year old designed this cover is what I'm trying to say yeah it it definitely does and then we have the back this book was a three hanky book club selection (laughs) Three hank- you have it. As in like it made people three hankies emotional? What does that mean? Maybe. It's so funny too because like this whole package is very much like this lives in the world of Lizzie McGuire. But then of course they have to get their marketing in on the back where it's like watch it on Disney Channel and ABC Kids. I mean, Remember ABC Kids by the way? What not, a throwback. Not really. I was more of a PBS Kids guy. You didn't even watch ABC. Speaking of RIP to Arthur, great run. Goodbye to my favorite aardvark. Okay, but wait a second. You didn't even watch ABC Kids on Saturday mornings? I don't know. What was on ABC Kids? Doug. Doug? Yeah, and like, oh my God, what was that show? It was was a lot of animation. No. Okay. This is not ringing a bell for me. Regardless. Can I just say, when I look at the back, the thing that I notice first is that at the time of publishing, this book was four ninety nine, and I think I paid $7 20 years <laughs> later to get it for you. Wow, so its value went up over time. Apparently, I've been <laughs> swindled. <laughs> 
I also love that, again, the package is very much like this is the book. It has like the fake author's name on it, the whole shebang. But the back of book description direct is directly about the show. It's not an actual pitch for the book. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. even notice that. Wait, Well, but, I'll read it right now. I'll wait, but right I'm confused now. about the author, first of all. So this is Magnolia Praline is like the fake author or is she the ghostwriter? No, she's a fake author. She's the, the there fake... was a ghostwriter that is know, unnamed. Would you ever would you be able to find that in the book? Is that something that they include? Yeah, you'll probably hear some pages flopping <laughs> because we have a physical book. As with we us. turn the as we turn the pages vigorously of this book. <laughs> no, I'm looking at the copyright page and there's a cover design credit, a book design credit, and an illustration credit. But there's no there's no author credit. Wow. If we could track down the ghostwriter that wrote this book. I'm seeing somebody named um, Alice Alfonsi online. And she seems to be quite a popular ghostwriter for a lot of these uh, like Disney Channel children's books. It seems that she has also written Face Off, which seems to be from the Hannah Montana universe. Ooh. Um, she also wrote a book called In Raven We Trust. Ooh. Um, she wrote the Lizzie for President book. This seems to be just like what she does. She just like. How do I get that job? She just writes the Disney Channel books. That is my dream job. <laughs> I have literally been trying to like pawn myself off as like a willing. Her number one <laughs> title. And I don't know if there's an order to this list or not, but I'm seeing something called Poetry in Motion. And it says High School Musical, and the cover is a picture of Corbin Blue and Vanessa Hudgens, but no Zac Efron. Ooh. Are you, are you ready for the summary of that book? It says, Chad doesn't know if he can pull off his English class assignment of reciting an original poem in front of the entire school after remembering his last poetry reading and how embarrassing it was. Trauma. So that's the whole book. <laughs> it's just Chad's anxiety about reading poetry. <laughs> This is wild and I want this job. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so Alice Alfonsi and Terry Minsky's name is on it as well. Well, yeah, it's her IP. Um, and then Walt Disney Enterprises. Wow, I just said, imagine if we could find her and you found her in like two <laughs> seconds. Yeah, I was already on the page. <laughs> but Sam, shall I read to you what is on the back of the physical book? Um, yes, please. Sure. The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club. Class assignment, Lizzie style. When Lizzie McGuire's teacher, Mr. Digg, asks all the girls in Lizzie's class to read a very special book, Lizzie is skeptical. But after she begins the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club, she's so totally inspired by the mother-daughter relationship in the story that she starts her very own club with her very own mother. Now you can read the book that Lizzie loved. This edition even comes with Lizzie's own personal comments, doodles, and thoughts in the margins. Plus, it includes a scholarly introduction by Persimmon Persnickety, PhD, the professor who helped the world rediscover this lost classic. That's it. Oh. And then it says, for more Disney press fund, visit www.disneybooks.com. Uh, Marissa, I'm noticing now that I feel like I have notes, and you appear to not have notes. I do not have notes. So <laughs> how, what, why, are, why do you not have notes? What is, what are you doing here? Um, so I have dog-eared pages and speaking off the cuff is not usually my brand, 
but I have a lot of feelings about what I read. And I just figured like if you be the guiding light for this podcast, I will supply you with all of my thoughts. You want me to guide the podcast today? I would love that. Oh my goodness. This is wild. I was <laughs> Sam, it is your turn in the driver's seat. Oh my goodness. Um, Put that crowning around hat back on and it's been a while since we've crowned around. I know. Um everyone's moving. Yeah. Literally. We should be getting going. We should be getting going. We should get going again soon. But I can drive, I suppose. Most of my notes focus on the plot of the story, which um, I guess from the outset, I would say is like a mix between Lizzie McGuire, Cinderella, and She's All That. (laughs) If you put all of those elements into a pot and stirred it together, you would come up with something like, oh, and Princess and the Frog. If you took all those elements (laughs) and stirred them in a pot, eventually you'd come up with, some version of the orchids and gumbo poker club. I would say a Cinderella story just to keep it in the Lizzie McGuire, Hillary Duff, not Lizzie McGuire, but like Hillary Duff universe. <laughs> okay. I was literally seeing the scene with Hill Duff and Chad in my head during the ball. Mm, okay. But yes, it has all of your elements of uh, each of these pieces, right? Like you have this like coming of age story. You have like the, the nerdy best friend. You have the girl, the the quirky girl who's like pining after this hot guy, but he's not right for her. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So like I said, most of my notes are about the plot of the book. I have some notes about Lizzie's notes, but I found Lizzie's notes to be pretty distracting overall. I agree. It really, it was hard because every time she had a note, it would like underline the part in the book, like like an annotation essentially. So my eyes would go to Lizzie's note, but then it definitely pulled me out of the story more than it added to the narrative. All the notes were just like about her life and like herself. (laughs) And like that has never been my experience annotating a book. There were also like so many notes. I feel like each page had like three or four notes. It was a lot of notes. So it was hard to like, it would be like every other sentence and you would hop to the note and then hop back. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. I will say though, there were a couple notes that did make me think like, oh, they really dug deep for this note. Like for example, they they bring out, you know, little facts that I, I had totally forgotten over the years, like Joe subsidizing her college experience by dealing cards on a riverboat. Like they really, you know, they went somewhere with that. Oh yeah, no, it got to a point where I was like, oh, so they're just going to mention every <laughs> single episode of Lizzie McGuire. I'm almost all 65, I would say got their due except your- for <laughs> clover and daisy i was gonna say not your favorite magic train <laughs> but yeah like we had like an angel lieberman shout out i think there were two angel lieberman shout no i think there were maybe three angel lieberman shout outs there were significant like a, a disproportionate number of <laughs> angel lieberman shout outs there were several ronnie shout outs <laughs> gotta love ronnie gotta love ronnie making his uh appearance I don't think there was enough Miranda shout outs. There was there was a disproportionate amount of Gordo, like the ratio of Gordo to Miranda notes was very off, in my opinion. Miranda. But I'm not going anywhere. Where were you in the notes? <laughs> <laughs> Miranda was out and about at this point. Thanks for being such a lousy friend. 
And also <laughs> this book was just so clearly meant to parallel Lizzie and Gordo's relationship. Boo. I mean, to the point where like the love interest or not the love interest, the best friend turned love interest after she the she's all that moment. His name is Gator. What are you, are you saying? There's a connection there. Are you saying there's not? You're so smart to figure that out, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you're really on it with the, <laughs> the soundboard today. Um, speaking of characters, should we introduce the cast? You oh, you want to do that like right off the top? Yeah. Okay. Just like the main players. Okay. So the story revolves around uh, a young girl named Darcy Lou Beignet. <laughs> yes, like the dessert. And we really get to see Darcy Lou Beignet's formative years. The book starts when she's six, and by the end of the book, she'll be roughly, I believe, 21 so it's not your typical, you know, Jane Eyre Bildungsroman, but we do get a significant chunk of her life. And um, what, are, what are your thoughts on Darcy Lou Beignet? Do you mean what are my thoughts on Lizzie McGuire? Because <laughs> <laughs> essentially the same. She's clumsy. She's quirky. But this Darcy, but Darcy Lou Beignet, um, so she's very close with her mother, Tallulah. Tallulah is, uh, what is it? I guess, is she a botanist or is she just like an A or- florist. A florist. A florist. Okay, she's a florist. She makes orchids for people. Darcy Lubenier's father is absent. No father for Darcy Lubenier. I mean, a Disney, classic Disney story. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. You really dug deep for that one. Darcy Lubenier and, T- or I guess Tallulah has um, three very close friends who... Darcy Lubenier considers to be basically aunts to her because they're so close to her mother. So there's um, Tante Maribel, who is elegant and serious. She was educated by nuns at a convent school. Um, she is a nanny, and she's a dance instructor. And then we have Tante Jojo, who is plump and jolly. She sews and she bakes. And then there's Tante Dolphia, who's a wacko. <laughs> <laughs> I believe crazy is the term used, which is also equally cringy as she reads palms and sells voodoo potions. All right, so those are the three aunts. Does Tante mean aunt in French? Yes. Okay. That's why they call that. All right. There is also a love interest. Um the love interest's name is William Chatelaine. William Chatelaine uh is a city boy. So we should mention also that this book takes place in the bayou. Literally in the bayou. Yes. Bayou LeBlanc, like Matt LeBlanc, but- <laughs> as is noted by Lizzie McGuire herself. Yes. So Darcy Lubenier, not a, um, a rich or sophisticated individual, does not come from a wealthy family. But William Chatelaine, if you couldn't tell by his fran- uh, fancy French name, is a city boy. And his parents expect very big things from him. So they are truly two very different souls. Do you have any thoughts about William? I mean, I have thoughts about the general classism that is depicted. I wrote uh, William Chatelaine, a hunk from the city. And the reason why William Chatelaine shows up is because um, I mentioned that Tante Maribel was a nanny. So she actually nannied William Chatelaine when he was a younger individual. I think it's very weird that she calls him Master William. I think it's weirder that he continues to call her nanny. 
well into <laughs> young adulthood. I just think it's weird that this novel to me very much draws on like the language and aesthetic of like southern antebellum society but there is no i mean like everybody just like defaults to white you know like there is no diversity in sight probably not so yeah william chatelaine he's two years older than um darcy lou as well we also have in this book uh darcy lou's best friend so his real name, <laughs> actually, so there's two names. There's Gaston and there's Gator. And you can, <laughs> either one, if you're like, pick one is real and one is fake, you're like, those are both fake. <laughs> <laughs> but his real name is Gaston, but everybody calls him Gator. And he is, you know, if Darcy Lou is a Bayou girl, you know, he, this guy, Gator, he's even more Bayou. He's a Bayou boy. Yeah, he's a Bayou boy. He goes fishing. He catches crocodiles with his bare hands. He alligators. Is, oh, sorry, alligators. Gator. Gosh, I'm so <laughs> obtuse. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, yeah, that's Gator. He and Darcy Lou are troublemakers together. Let's see if there's any... I mean, those are, like, the main characters, I feel like. There are some secondary characters, like... Um, Darcy Lou's bully Adele, um, who basically is a Kate proxy. And there's also a, a teacher that Darcy Lou frequently butts heads with named Mrs. Panace, which everybody thinks is hilarious because I guess that's the, the Cajun word for stink bug. So they, they really get a kick out of that. And then there's also the, you know, prep boyfriend. Oh yes, Jackson. William. Yes, William's best friend Jackson, who exists solely to prop up William's ego. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no defining personality of his own. Uh, he has red hair. That's his personality. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. But yes, that is our cast. Well, bef- I should we actually before we dive in, should we talk about the intro to the book? Oh my by gosh. By Persimmon Persnickety themselves. I have no idea the gender of Persimmon Persnickety. <laughs> I guess I assumed man. I don't know why. It just seemed like Persimmon Persnickety oh, PhD just had see, an aura because of... Because you see the PhD and you think, oh, that's got to be a literary douche bro. Kind of. <laughs> well, it was the PhD and also just like the air of like, I don't know, just the tone of voice. The air of condescension. Yeah, it just made me think that this was, you know, some well-educated, just annoying man. Oh, can I just say we are so dumb because I just opened up to the title page and it literally says manuscript restored in quotation marks by Alice Alfonsi. (laughs) (laughs) Just to confirm that. Anyways, so yeah, before we dive into the story, there is an intro from Persimmon Persnickety PhD who basically has kind of refound this book. And so I guess the premise is that when the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club first came out, there's a whole lore. So it was not reviewed fondly. It was very poorly reviewed, um, kind of like a great Gatsby. I was just going to say, your classic Gatsby. Yeah. And basically women loved it, but uh, it soon fell out of favor. Unlike, they compare it to another book called Peyton Place. Is that a real book or not? I'm a little bit confused. I thought Peyton Place was a soap opera. Peyton Place, but they're saying that Peyton Place was a book first that became a soap opera. They're saying that, like, unlike oh, yes. Peyton Place, which was a book that became 
a magnificent soap opera. This book did not do that until Persimmon Persnickety found it and brought it back to life. It's just it just rings so true, right? This notion that like women are the most like there there is no respect for like women are tastemakers. Women loved this book, therefore it was not held in as high esteem as other works of its time. Yes, I'm going to start well, talking about it right now like it's a real book. Well, that's why I think another reason why I think that Persimmon Persnickety is a man. Because, of course, a man has to, like, (laughs) now deem this worthy. Yeah. I love the All My Children shout out also, like, comparing Peyton Place to All My Children. Yeah. It's a deep cut. That just rings so true. But you know what? At 2003, in 2003, it was culture. It was still going strong. Maybe not as strong as, you know, its strongest, but pretty strong. Oh, my God. I was watching All My Children with my mom every day in 2003. (laughs) And so Persimmon Persnickety calls this part fairy tale, part love story, part melodrama. It transports us likewise away, and yet there's a familiarity too, as there should be in any fiction considered to be a universal classic. Yeah. That's a direct quote. Ugh. You heard it here Disgusting. first. Disgusting. This is definitely a man. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So chapter one, we open the scene, and Darcy Lou, as I said, is six. And we basically get the the premise that every Saturday, Tallulah and her three aunts play poker together. We're introduced to the three aunts, and uh, each of the aunts is going to give Darcy Lou a present that really fits the aunt's personality. So Tante Marybelle, who we mentioned is a dance instructor and is very elegant, gives Darcy Lou some Mardi Gras beads. Uh, Tante Jojo is going to give Darcy Lou some gumbo and sweet potato pie because she is, of course, a baker. And then Tante Delphia is going to give Darcy Lou a crown made out of cards because, of course, she's a wacko, like I said. And so Tallulah is going to give her some orchids because that is her entire personality. Tallulah is orchids. Essentially, and that, not to get too deep into, like, the critique, but, like, I don't understand this mother like we're supposed to this whole episode is built on the premise this whole episode (laughs) well like the whole episode of the show mom's best friend is built on the premise that this mother-daughter dynamic affected lizzie mcguire so profoundly Mm -hmm. that it inspired the entire episode and it inspired her to want to start her own poker and gumbo club and i just don't see it (laughs) you don't buy it i don't buy it Oh, okay. The aunts and Tallulah are basically like, Darcy Lou, it's your birthday, make a wish. And so Darcy Lou is going to wish that, wait for it, she knew her daddy. (laughs) I wish I knew my daddy. And Tallulah, of course, is going to immediately burst into tears because (laughs) as one does (laughs) when their child wishes to know their other parent. Honestly, as someone who just bursts into tears, that hit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and the aunties, don't worry, they're here to cover. They tell Darcy Lou that her father is a knight of the round table. He served King Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's interesting about the knight is we get this we get this annotation from Lizzie with a little doodle of a knight, and it's labeled, My dad, Sir Yells a lot. Oof. And Sam McGuire. What's going on? We don't, I feel like that's so out of character. Like we don't see that. 
I think you need to recycle your attitude, young lady. But that was a stern talking to. That wasn't a yell. <laughs> it was. Um, all right. And then basically Darcy Lou realizes within the year that this is pretty much impossible. Her dad could not have possibly been a knight at the round table. So she's going to ask the aunts again at her seventh birthday and their story is going to change completely. And now they think they tell Darcy Lou that her father was actually a pirate, which is notably worse than a knight. <laughs> They need to come up with better stories. And basically, this becomes a theme every year. Darcy Lou is going to ask her aunts and her mother, who is my father? Every year, it's different. On her eighth birthday, he's a cowboy. On her ninth birthday, he's an artist. On her 10th birthday, he's a playwright, a la William Shakespeare. On her 11th birthday, he's a novelist, a la Charles Dickens. On her 12th birthday, he's some, like, Antarctic explorer. And then on her 13th birthday, they tell her that he's actually, like, a pilot. And he knows he like helped the Wright brothers and Charles Lindbergh. And then he disappeared when Amelia Earhart disappeared. First of all, like I said, these aunts need to come up with some better stories because (laughs) it's just so all over the place. Like the year that he's a writer, they say that he's a playwright working in England for some man named Shakespeare (laughs) that he worked for William Shakespeare himself. And to that, Lizzie has one of her most, like, (laughs) I think this is one of my favorite notes in the book because it's actually, like, about the book and not about herself. And she's like, okay, so this girl Darcy's either playing along with the pretend thing or she's the most gullible kid on earth, right? I mean, Michelangelo and Da Vinci and Shakespeare and Dickens and Wells had pretty much, like, exited the building for good by the time (laughs) this book was even written. These are the annotations I wanted. Keep it to the text. Yeah, you wanted some literary analysis in the notes. I did, not just like, oh, my dad could be a cowboy. <laughs> oh, my dad could be like, no. No. Good job, Lucy. Stop it. Well, I mean, to that point, this is going to directly play into chapter two. So that's basically the end of chapter one. And so yeah, Darcy so he- Lou was homeschooled for much of her young life, but eventually she's going to get to go to school for herself. Oh, boy. When she gets to school, her first assignment is basically to, you know, write a paper about her family and like, you know, help us know your family. And so Darcy Lou is going to write about how her dad was a pilot who flew with the Wright brothers and everybody's going to laugh at her. Her teacher is going to be like, you're a liar. You're a terrible student. And um, it's not going to go well for Darcy Lou. Darcy Lou is bullied. It's hard to blame any. It's really hard to blame anybody except the aunts who lie to her every year. Oh, yeah. She is just repeatedly lied to and gaslit her entire <laughs> life. I don't know what they thought would happen out of this scenario, but um, yeah, not great. And so everybody laughs at Darcy Lou except for Gaston, a.k.a. Gator. Ugh, Gaston. I blocked that out. <laughs> I mean, no one looks like Gaston. No one talks like Gaston. He's going to be, you know, making fun of the teacher behind her back while she's berating Darcy Lou. And so the teacher's going to turn around, notice Gator, and they're both going to be sent to the principal's office, which is going to be a real bonding experience for both of them. Yeah, her second defining moment. This is where we get the multiple um, Angel Lieberman references because they're bad kids. And a Mr. Tweety flashback. (laughs) And a Mr. Tweety flashback. (laughs) Oh, my God. And the boss from the Digital Bean. Oh, my God. Everybody, everybody's just coming out of the woodwork here. 
Darcy Lewis is going to get a letter from the principal, and it's supposed to be for her mom. And so Darcy Lou is very nervous to give this letter to her mom. She's afraid that her mom will be upset with her. So she needs some advice. So obviously she's going to go to Tante Mary Bell's house because she's elegant and sophisticated and she'll know what to do. And when she gets there, drama, a defining, I think they say a defining moment in Darcy Lou's <laughs> life. There's a car in the driveway that she does not recognize. <laughs> end of chapter. It's not the end of chapter, is it? Oh, I guess it is. That is the end of the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Darcy Lou had never seen a car like that around the bayou. <laughs> Most of the vehicles around Darcy's home were mud-splattered old pickups. The red convertible looked awfully expensive. Mm. And Darcy Lou couldn't help admiring its sleek lines and gleaming surface. So shiny she could see her wide blue eyes reflecting back at her like she was looking into a polished red mirror. So does Darcy Lou like William Chatelain or is she just like thirsty for the wealth? Well... I mean, shall we move on to chapter three? Of course. Sorry, I am jumping the gun here. Yes. So chapter three, Darcy Lou is like, who could this car possibly belong to? So she's going to go up to the door and look in through the screen door and see she's four. Remember, she's 14 at this point. She's going to see 16 year old William Chatelaine, hunk from the city. And this in the most Lizzie McGuire fashion, he's going to open the door straight into her face. And knock her down the stairs. But Sam, he was like no other boy Darcy Lou had ever seen. (laughs) Are you trying to do an accent? 14 years. No. Did you just start doing an accent? No, I'm not going to do my accent on the podcast. Except for Sweet Potato. Sweet (laughs) Potato. Oh my God. But we're not even there yet. Not in her entire 14 years on earth. Tall and lean, he wore gray slacks with a knife sharp crease, a snow white shirt, and a beautiful blue jacket perfectly tailored to fit his lanky form his jaw was square his raven black hair neatly cut and handsomely brushed back off his princely forehead (laughs) his princely (laughs) lizzie highlights he sounds delish (laughs) it's so thirsty stop it she Uh, also said i know that feeling sigh lizzie heart ethan there is a lot of ethan craft lust oh there's too much ethan it was very uncomfortable actually it was kind of stalkery like you were just friends yeah um, Anyways, so he wants to help her, but she's immediately speechless and obsessed with him. <laughs> <laughs> he feels really bad about, I guess, like hitting her in the face and potentially injuring her. Yeah, he says, "Little girl, are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> Little girl, you okay? <laughs> so William was there to wish Auntie Mary Bell a happy birthday. Nanny. Um, yes, Nanny, a happy birthday. Which is very strange to me. Like, I don't... <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I don't think that he was just there to to wish her a happy birthday. I think that maybe there was some extracurricular activity going on here. Because why would this kid just show up at his nanny's house in the middle of the day, out of the blue, randomly? I think this is perhaps indicative of a pattern that Darcy Lou is just not privy to because she doesn't go there every day. And she's not part of the Orchid and Gumbo Poker Club. The idea that he's just there to wish her a happy birthday. Very innocent, Darcy Lou. But William Chatelaine is 16. Sam, he's a little older very, than you. This is he's ver- 16 going on 17. This is extremely <laughs> salacious of an accusation. I mean, po- show me where I'm wrong. You cannot <laughs> disprove it. 
Okay, that is quite an alternative reading. All right, well, I'm just saying, it's weird that he's there in the first place and that he calls her nanny. It's weird. Yeah, the nanny thing's weird. <laughs> Him showing up is weird. Like, why Dots would he be there? could be connected. It's just like... And I'm here to connect them. Okay. I'm here to tell you the truth behind this book. Okay. So, yeah, he's a very wealthy individual. He comes from a wealthy family. He goes to a fancy private school. His family has high hopes for him. And that's pretty much what we learn about William in this moment. Maribel is then going to help Tallulah um, talk to her mom about the wait, letter. Wait, 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 wait. I'm so sorry, but this totally, I just have to read this to you. <laughs> okay. I just have to read this to you. Okay. Because this was like a quick skim for me, but like, okay. I can't even speak right now. The young man nodded and turned to Maribel. Well, I really must be going now, Nanny. You know, you are so very sweet to let me keep calling you Nanny. Oh, it's just between us, William. Exactly. That's so weird. I, like, and you don't think there's anything else going on. It's just between it's wink wink just between us. And now you run along and be a good boy. <laughs> Yeah, she's got a weird fetish. <laughs> it's very strange. Oh, this dialogue is so cringe. <laughs> Anyways, I'm so sorry. Carry on. All right. So Tallulah's going to uh, read the letter from the principal. And this is going to prompt Tallulah to tell Darcy Lou the truth about her father because she is, after all, a young woman now. So her father, whose name is Ben Turpin. Van Turpin. Van Turpin was a writer who got drafted into the Navy. And then, um, coincidentally, the day that Tallulah found out that she was pregnant with Darcy Lou, she also learned that Ben Turpin had died overseas. That is profound. That is dark. That is. <laughs> now, why they couldn't have told her this years ago, why they continued to make up weird stories and lie to her for like, more than half her life? A little weird. This isn't like a crazy story. No, but it is the story where we get our first sweet potato. Yes. She's going to make it up to, to Darcy Lou, sweet potato. Ben Turpin gave Tallulah a bracelet instead of an engagement ring because he was poor. He was an orphan. He had no family. Why'd you stop? Oh, I wasn't sure if you had uh, something to interject. Oh. No? No. All right. So yeah, Tallulah promises to make it up to Darcy Lou. End of chapter three. We get to chapter four. Um, for some reason, Darcy Lou feels that it's important for us to know that she's still not invited to the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club. She just has to eavesdrop on these women as they play poker without her. Well, you skipped over the whole, like, this is where they want to be friends. This is like, we're following it through, like, Lizzie McGuire. This might be a defining moment for Lizzie McGuire. Oh, where they, Tallulah and Darcy Lou want to be friends? Oh, sweet potato. You're the <laughs> best daughter a mother could ever have. Tallulah hugged Darcy Lou close. I'm sorry about what happened at school, but I'll have a talk with your principal to explain it all. And someday, I promise, I'll make this up to you. I want us to be friends. Friends forever. Friends forever. We will be, Mama. <laughs> I promise. And Darcy Lou... <laughs> I love you, and that's all that matters to me. Like, me too, sweet potato. But despite this, Darcy Lou is not invited to the poker club. So how friendly can they really be? The thing is, 
we go into this book with the expectation that this is going to be like a mother-daughter story, but it's really like I love my mom because she helps me get a man story. <laughs> <laughs> like it's Yeah. I digress. Chapter four. Chapter four. Alligator chicken high. Alligator <laughs> chicken high. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Darcy Lewis... what it is. It's a crazy time. <laughs> Darcy Lewis back at school getting bullied in the cafeteria by Adele. Um, but Gator's going to stand up for her and be so rude to Adele that it's going <laughs> to shut her up forever. She's not going to appear in the book again. Yeah, wait, where? what does he say? He basically says that he uh, that his family has an old geriatric mule that smells really bad, and it reminds him of Adele. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That just, ugh, shut her up for good. Is this the, la- that's the last time we see Adele in the book? Yeah, Adele is now like, gone. <laughs> what is that supposed to be? Is that just supposed to be to show how, like, Darcy Lou is incapable of having female friendships? Because I feel like this is more of a reflection on Dar- Darcy Lou than it is on Adele here, right? I think like, so. Like, where are the other, like, Yeah, it's a reflection on this- everybody except Adele. It's like... Gator feels kind of like he could be mean and just like lash out at you. Like he has a, I don't know, a mean side to him. Yeah. And it's very like, I, I see the Gordo energy and the like, don't care what other people think of you go your own way. But Gator is not Gordo. No, he's not. Um, he He's much more rugged than Gordo. Remember when Gordo tried to go camping and failed? Yes. Well, Gator goes fishing pretty much every day and that's how he and Darcy Lou become friends. They go fishing together. Um we're going to we're going to do a time jump within the chapter. Love it. Um a year later, basically Darcy Lou is going to go back to Auntie Marybelle's house and oh my goodness, guess who's there? Once again, William Chatelaine is there visiting Nanny. And this time she's like staring at his car when he comes outside and notices her and they're going to have some banter this time. And Darcy Lou, still smitten. She's, you know, she's feeling as lovestruck as ever. I mean, he kissed her hand. He kissed her hand. And this might have been my favorite note of the <laughs> of the book. Because Lizzie says, I never had a guy kiss my hand. I wonder what you're supposed to do. Just stand there, I guess. <laughs> but what if he slobbers all over it? Are you allowed to wipe it off on your jeans? Or is that a Dorkerella move? Yeah, that is a good note. I think... These type, like, again, something that actually correlates to the text is much more enjoyable to me than just, like, how many episodes of Lizzie McGuire can we squeeze into these annotations? It's true, though. Kissing someone's hand is so strange. And your hand is, like, the dirtiest part of your body. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, why would you kiss someone's hand? You don't know what that person has touched. I mean, the hands are a thing of the past. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm, I'm actually with you on this note, Lizzie. Can you believe that it took Lizzie McGuire 53 pages to connect Beignet to its origin and to actually look up what it is? I feel like that was the first thing you said (laughs) when you learned her name. So they're chatting a little bit and William wants to see more of the bayou. And so Darcy Lou is going to take them to play Alligator Chicken High. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just Alligator Chicken in the text. We're adding in the high. And so they're walking through the woods and they're, you know, having a little flirty moment. And so alligator chicken is basically how close can you get to the alligator before you freak out and run away? 
it's not a great it's a idea. Wild game. <laughs> it's not a great plan. William is not really uh, brave of heart. He runs away really quickly. In this con, you kind of get the vibe that, you know, Darcy Lou might have some unresolved feelings for Gator because she mentions Gator probably every other second. She's like, oh, Gator this and Gator that and Gator's very good and Gator catches the alligators and eats them. Yeah. We mentioned at the end of the last chapter, Darcy Lou and Tallulah are going to be friends forever now, but Darcy Lou is not going to tell Tallulah about this interaction. She wants to keep this a secret. That's not best friend behavior, Darcy Lou. No. Darcy Lou Beignet. Yeah, she wants to keep this to herself. Even though they usually share everything, this moment, this experience, this interaction is just for her. A terrible game. (laughs) Terrible game. But the chapter continues. This is a long chapter. A lot happens in this chapter. So Darcy Lou becomes obsessed with the idea of like, I don't know, just happening to run into William. She really wants to like facilitate just like a spontaneous meetup. A, ch- a chance like, encounter. A chance encounter. A meet cute. Yeah. Except William obviously lives in the city and Darcy Lou lives in the bayou. So what's she going to do? How is this meet cute going to happen? I know. I'll go to the city when my mom goes in to sell her orchids and maybe, just maybe, I might happen to run into William one day. It's the perfect plan. Can I just say, like, you say banter, but, like, this this dialogue is just, like, <laughs> not cute. And it tells us nothing about neither Darcy Lou nor William. And it's, like, trying to be flirty, but is really just, like, ugh, this little interaction. No secrets in the bayou, William. I can see that, Darcy Lou. It's more of survival of the fittest here, isn't it? Yes, said Darcy Lou. I'm sure Darwin would agree. She gave him a sly smile. Are you ready to see how fit you are? I don't know about Darwin, but I never did claim I was Tarzan, William quipped with a wink. But I'm willing to venture farther into your little jungle. So lead on, Jade. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. saucy. We could have like a truly like salacious reading of this book <laughs> if we so choose. Is that not what we were doing? <laughs> Like, that was so blunt. So Darcy Lou is going to go into the city time and time again, and no William. Crazy that you could go into a major city and not see the one person that you're looking for randomly. And so Darcy Lou is pretty much all but given up hope, and she's going to go sit at a cafe, and what do you know? Who's at the next table but William and his best friend, Jackson? And what do you know as well? They're talking about women. Yeah, and, like, throughout this whole section, like... Lizzie is talking about creepy and, like, mildly stalking Ethan Craft. Um, So that's cool. Like, one time, Ethan gave me a little excited half-hug once when I told him oh. about a big sale on golf shoes And she's mall. never forgot it. And I refused to wash my shirt for a week because it smelled like his cologne. Oh, my God. Sigh. And then while she's hoping to run into him during these deliveries to, you know, in the city, secretly searching for a glimpse, Lizzie says... Secretly searching for a crush boy while pretending to do something else entirely? Been there, done that, for (laughs) sure. At the mall especially, Miranda and I engage in all sorts of ER, in parentheses, Ethan Recon. Oh, geez. Lizzie McGuire, get it together. Get it together. (laughs) Don't write this in your school book. Mr. (laughs) Dig is checking these notes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we learn here that William doesn't like the typical southern debutantes that his family would approve of they're all the same and they're all basic 
Yes, and here we are with a classic She's Not Like Other Girls. Yes, William has met the most interesting girl in the world. It's Darcy Lou. This interaction between Jackson and William is like the most nauseating part of the book to me. And it's like, I don't know if it's like like what it's trying to do here. And like maybe it's trying to be subversive. But this is the reaction to William being unsatisfied with his current prospects. They're all the same, Jackson, said William. <laughs> William's friend Jackson left. Well, of course they're all the same. They're girls. They live their lives in a desperate effort to conform. I wouldn't laugh too hard, said William. Except for our hair color, you and I look like a pair of twins, don't we? I didn't mean it like that, said Jackson. I mean, girls think it's important to dress alike, act alike, whereas boys just do it to get by. How do you know girls don't just conform to get by too, asked William. Because they, dot, 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 the boy's voice trailed off. Yes, prompted William. Can't you think of a reason? Oh, I don't know, William. I just think you expect too much. (laughs) Yeah. I just want a girl who's got a mind of her own. A plus analysis there. A girl who has something to say. These New Orleans debutantes my mother wants me to court all say the same things. Think the same things. Most just parrot back what I say. They're a bore. (laughs) But they're very pretty boars, said Jackson. Pretty is as pretty does, said William. Aren't you deep? Aren't you? (laughs) Also, I have to say, like, the dialogue goes back and forth between, like, 1950s, like, of its time. And, like, has these, like, weird, like, modern, like, idioms. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not a book that you would actually have found in the 1950s. Yeah, like, imagine um, just, you know... Nick Carraway. Coolie. <laughs> Aren't you deep? Aren't you deep? But um, yes. I mean, Lizzie does sort of push back on all of the sexism, and she's very not okay with it. But, good. I mean, it's a low bar. It's a very low bar. She says, wow, these boys are really quick. I think Gordo <laughs> is about the only boy at Hillridge Junior High who could hold his own in a conversation like this one. Most of the other boys at school would probably be suggesting a belching contest about now. So it's like she pushes back on the sexism in the first part, but then she totally like does it back in terms of like. Well, you know, you so you expect funny. too much. From, <laughs> you're yeah. expecting too much from these people. Um, and so Jackson is like, "Hey, I know that you find most girls to be basic, but maybe at the Gold Mask Ball at Mardi Gras, you will meet a girl. Debs from all over the South will be there. New blood." <laughs> Um, it's at this moment that Darcy Lou is going to basically inhale a beignet, um, how like apropos, and start to choke and almost get caught. But Darcy Lou is able to keep her cover, uh, very similar to when Lizzie sat on Parker's Titanic lunchbox. <laughs> that is, might be the most obscure detail. <laughs> Never let it go. And so then we're going to, same chapter, still chapter four, another time jump. It's the next na- <laughs> few weeks fly by. Yeah. And it's Darcy Lou's 16th birthday. Yes. Darcy Lou's 16th birthday. And, and she is horny. She is horny. <laughs> at her last birthday, she had had such a bad experience at school that she didn't even want to make a wish. But now she has a wish again. And she's like, aunts, please do the incantation so I can make a wish. And they do it. And Darcy Lou has a wish to end all wishes. 
I'm 16 today. And I've <laughs> never been, I don't know, my, my like faux accent changes every time I speak. I can't do it. Consistency. What are you doing? I have a really good like Darcy Lou and Tallulah. Like I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll read the ending. Are you just I'll speaking be- to me now with the accent? I'm confused. No. Are you staying in character for like this chat? <laughs> no. Okay. No. No. You're sweet not. potato. I'm not speaking in an accent, <laughs> sweet potato. <laughs> you know, I think that throughout the life of our podcast, we have brought up how notoriously bad at accents I am. We and have. here it is. Okay. For the, you know, dedicated listeners. They want to know what the wish far. is. What is the wish? Anyways, I'm 16 today and I've never been kissed. <laughs> <laughs> I wish more than anything in the world. To have William Chatelaine give me my first kiss at the gold mask ball. Yes, that is the wish. And Tallulah and the three aunts are like, they're it. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Which is so weird. It's a very strange reaction. They're not, they're not even like, who? <laughs> they're like, yes. The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club let out a collective gasp. <sighs> then, after a good long minute to consider it, the aunts looked at one another and smiled. Because they all knew one thing. If any four women on earth could make Darcy lose a wish come true, they could. Yes, they all exist just <laughs> for the sake of furthering the plot of Darcy Lou's life. Love life. Yes. Um, end of chapter four. And we have now reached the Cinderella story portion of the text. We have chapter five. Uh, Tallulah and the aunts um, are all helping Darcy Lou get ready for the ball. And there's you know some chat about like what her tactic should be mary bell is like just be agreeable and make sure you talk about what he likes golf um and tallulah's like no be your own woman which you know good work tallulah i appreciate that advice there's the small issue that darcy lou as much as she might want to get into the gold mask ball does not belong there she's not invited she's not invited even a little bit um, and so eventually she's like, oh, this could be a problem. Like, how do I actually get into this ball? But don't worry. We mentioned that Auntie Dolphia is a wacko. She's been spreading rampant lies about Darcy <laughs> Lou all over New Orleans. Yes. And while this is happening, they're also like training her on how to be like a high society <laughs> lady. Like this is actually shades of um, Princess Diaries. Oh, maybe a little bit, yeah. In terms of, like, they're teaching her how to, like, walk, talk, sit, stand, each dress like a princess. Yes. Um. So Dolphia has been telling all of New Orleans high society that there's going to be a special guest at the ball. They are going to need Darcy Lou to become her alter ego, Lulubelle Argyle, from the wealthy Argyle family of Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, Lulubelle Argyle doesn't sound like a fake name at all. She's going to need to really impersonate the essence of Lulubelle Argyle. And they're going to know her because of the fancy dress that she's wearing, which is, I guess, the colors of the gold mask ball. Did they say something about, like, her golden locks? Yes, because this Darcy Lou has blonde hair and blue eyes. Despite the fact that the girl on the cover is clearly a brunette? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, she's in, like, a Mardi Gras colors. Yeah. Purple, green, and gold. And that's how everybody is going to be able to identify her. And she is going to be the bell of the ball, the Lulu bell of the ball. And 
she is going to bring great fortune, like a Buddha, to whatever boy she basically um, courts at the ball. Correct. Yeah. All right. So Darcy Lewis getting dressed for the ball. Tanti Jojo has made her a really nice dress that is, you know, unlike anything she's ever seen before. But to really fit in, she needs some jewels. She needs some bling. All the people at the ball, these wealthy debutantes, have bling. She has no bling. Yeah, her chest is just too naked. naked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's got a naked chest. We spend way too much time together. (laughs) But don't worry, Tallulah, orchid lady, has some orchids. So she makes a necklace and a tiara out of these orchids. Yeah, her most prized orchids. Not just any orchids. Oh cried Darcy Lou. You've cut your rarest orchid to this anymore. <laughs> it changed again. <laughs> your most prized possessions. No, Darcy Lou, said Tallulah, hugging her daughter close. Don't you know that there is no more valuable and rare flower in this home than you? And now you're ready, sweet potato. <laughs> you're finally ready to become the bell of the ball. Oh, wow. Good for her. All right, and so they drive down to New Orleans. Yes. And for some reason, don't forget, be home by midnight. (laughs) There's an arbitrary midnight curfew here. Literally no reason. No reason for there to be a midnight curfew. They're so supportive of her 16th birthday wish, but like, (laughs) make sure you're home by midnight. If it doesn't happen by midnight, forget it. Have fun, but not too much fun. Also, When you think about it in terms of like, again, how this book combines like sort of this this 1950s Southern aesthetic with sort of like the modern rom-com tropes that are very like recognizable to us. If this was a work of its time, truly, as we've mentioned, no mother would be down for their... 16-year-old to go to this party unsupervised oh, to absolutely not. Be, to find him. Like this would just not like just like culturally be a thing. It just wouldn't. And the idea that they're like coaching her on how to like impersonate another person is just weird. Wild. And then when they get there, they're basically like, now remember, sneak in at the back of another party, pretend that you're part of another group and make your way in. And then they get in, but they still are going to ask for her invitation. And she's like, oh, no, I don't have an invitation. But apparently she's on a special guest list. So she's basically just like, I'm Lulubel Argyle. And they're like, they make an announcement of everybody as they come <laughs> in. They're like, uh, now announcing Lulubel Argyle. And everybody's head turns. And then she goes down the stairs. And immediately she's like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Flocked by all the boys. Um, you know what's crazy? This reminds Lizzie in the notes of the time that she snuck into a music video. Um, hello, the note doesn't even mention Aaron Carter. <laughs> what is this? I, I, I caught that. I thought about that too. I <laughs> just have to imagine it was like a rights issue. It was probably something like legal had to clear and Aaron Carter's people were like, no. Uh, please don't include Aaron <laughs> so- Carter in this literary trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So immediately Lulu Bell, AKA Darcy Lou, is swarmed by the thirsty singles, um, including Jackson. And Jackson is like, hey, how are you doing? And Darcy Lou is like, do you know William? <laughs> it's like the first <laughs> So sketchy. <laughs> Darcy Lou also just has like no personality. <laughs> like I have no idea who this girl is. 
what her interests are outside of just like the quote like the, like she wanted to know her dad and then she wanted to kiss a boy it's like <laughs> girl yeah not suspicious at all but jackson maybe i should develop some interests oh my goodness <laughs> you beat me to the soundboard maybe i should develop some interests <laughs> who needs lizzie when you have me this is not sketchy to jackson though he's like yep <laughs> i'll bring you right to him yeah it takes her right over to him Basically, Darcy is a little bit sassy to William, and he's immediately turned on. He's like, oh, this is the girl for me. And they dance all night. He's going to take her up to a balcony, and they're going to talk about pelicans, and then they're going to kiss. (gasps) And then it's midnight. (laughs) Slowly, William's green eyes met her blue ones, and then it happened. He kissed her. Darcy Lou couldn't believe it. She thought she had died and gone to heaven. (laughs) In the distance, one last Roman candle shot up into the night, blooming across the starry sky like a blossom of light. Finally, the kiss ended. Like, it did not describe the kiss. It was just like, oh, my God. Nope. She she obviously had her eyes open the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Shades of Matt James. (laughs) Um, all right. Yeah. Kiss, but boom. Unfortunately, immediately it's midnight. Oh no. It's time for her to leave. And how's she going to leave? Uh, she's going to pretend she has to go to the bathroom and then just do a quick <laughs> Irish goodbye. Just ghost. <laughs> just ghost. And she's riding high. She gets back to, I guess the car. They're like be home by midnight, but they're there to pick her up. <laughs> There's this whole moment where it's literally a Cinderella story. Like, he doesn't recognize her behind her tiny mask. They dance. <laughs> Cue I'll Be by Edwin McCain. Like, the whole thing. Not Collide by and Howie then, Day. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chapter ends. Darcy Lou quietly removed her gloves, set them on the divan, and blew out the candle. After that, there was only night, the stars, and the memory of love. And Lizzie McGuire is full out, like, sobbing at this point. She's like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, is it? Fierce. <laughs> is it? All right, end of chapter five. Chapter six, we're going to switch to William's point of view. Yeah, we have. <laughs> For like, no reason. We have, like, a third act POV <laughs> shift. <laughs> the, William is now the main character. <laughs> and William is calling around, and he can't find Lulabelle Argyle. He even calls the Argyle house in Mobile, Alabama, like a doofus, asking for a Lulabelle. And they're like, they, like, who? Yell at <laughs> who are you talking no, about? That, that was a great line, actually. <laughs> I dare say the family was trying to discourage young men from tracking that beauty down to pester her after the ball, just as you are trying to do right now, Mr. Chatelaine. My advice to you, young man, is this. If Miss Argyle did not see fit to give you her address or phone number at the ball, then I suggest you resist the urge to pursue her any further. Good day. Good day, sir. I said good day. <laughs> I said good day. Oh, my goodness. But yes, no, he goes full Austin Ames. He is <laughs> he is on the hunt. Oh, geez. Yeah, but don't worry. Jackson, best friend, who only exists to, you know, prop up William, is there to be like, I know, the orchids. Follow the orchids. <laughs> orchids. Orchids. No, Jackson says orchids. So he tracks them down. Nobody, uh, none of like the florists in the city have made any sort of crown or, or necklace like like Darcy Lou had, maybe they should try the supplier, Tallulah. Yep, down in Bayou Leblanc. Then we're going to POV switch back to Darcy <laughs> Lou. Um, 
I have a note. I just wrote page 104. Lizzie goes on a tangent about Gordo. Oh, yeah. Well, because there's this whole, like, so do you love William Chatelaine, Darcy Lou? And it's, like, Darcy Lou and Gator talking about... And I don't know why they make Gator sound like such a hick, you know? Like, it's so, like, the way he talks, the way that his dialogue is... Well, why the heck not? You told me about going to the ball, didn't you? Even though I hated the idea of you're trying to pretend to be some... It's very, like, Huckleberry Finn. Yes. That's what I... That's what I'm... look. That was what I was looking for. Yeah. Darcy, you know, you can talk to me, don't you? We're best friends, aren't we? And yes, this is the Lizzie rant, if you would like me to read. Sure. Wow. This gator dude really does remind me of Gordo. Not that Gordo ever said plum crazy in his entire life. <laughs> But he's always saying how it's more important to be a good person and a good friend to be real than to spend your life totally stressing about whether wearing the latest style or whether the in people are saying you're cool or not. The truth is, Gordo's his own man, a one of a kind guy. In fact, when I think about it, Gordo really is the coolest guy I know. <laughs> this is <laughs> in his own way. I have to admit, he's even cooler than Ethan Kraft. Gordo's had a crush on you for like ever. And the seeds have been sown. Yeah. Um, by herself. This is so weird. <laughs> I know. Um, this is not canon. No, not at all. So, yeah, Gator is upset that Darcy Lou had to change herself to basically go to the ball. Um, and Gator's going to reveal, hey, well, I have feelings for someone, too. And Darcy Lou is going to get a little jealous. And Gator's like, I'm not telling who I have a crush on. And I feel like Lizzie wrote in the notes, like, obviously it's you. Like, <laughs> apply your note to your own life. No, it's so funny. I thought the same thing. Like, she's so good at clocking it in the text, <laughs> but she could not see the writing on the wall. I feel like this quote was almost said word for word on the show, but, like, applied to Lizzie and Gordo. And I forget who said it, but it's like, Gator was just a friend, dot, dot, dot. Wasn't he? Was <laughs> it? All right, so after this interaction, Gator is a little bit butthurt. But Darcy Lou is like, whatever. She's going to go back home. And guess who's there? William Chatelaine, Esquire. 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 <laughs> he doesn't recognize her from the ball. And she is mad. She gets so mad <laughs> when he does. Which you were. Obviously, he didn't recognize you there. He was wearing a mask. He had a different name. He's not expecting you to be there. Like, give him a second. <laughs> He's like, who yeah. are who are you again? Do I know you? And then he, he notices like 30 seconds later, but she gets like rationally mad that he yeah. doesn't recognize her right away. He's like, oh, you're Lulu Bell. And she's like, try Darcy Lupin, yay. <laughs> like, so pissed. Um, then he says, no, 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 no. I had to, I'm sorry. I know I'm reading more than I thought I would, but- just like <laughs> she says, try Darcy Lou Beignet, snap Darcy. And then he says, it doesn't matter what your name is. I fell in love with you last night. Whoever you are, I love you. <laughs> Whoever you are, I love you. And then another few week time jump. Yeah, they start dating. They start seeing each other and she's happy for a few weeks and Gator disappears Left abruptly without another word. The problem with this arrangement is that William's family really does not approve of Darcy Lou. Um, they're hesitant for him to propose marriage. Remember, also, she's 16 still. <laughs> um, and William is like, 
you know what? You just need to come to a garden party and they'll fall in love with you and bring your mom and it will all work out. Oh, I guess William is like, bring your whole family. And Darcy Lou is like, my dad is dead. <laughs> so they'll just bring Tallulah. I wrote another note on page 109. Apparently there's some real Kate shade. Oh, yeah. So in the text, it says the Chatelaine garden party wasn't a masked ball and she was no longer pretending to be an Argyle heiress. That part's underlined. And then Lizzie says, kind of reminds me of Kate trying to pretend she's not a year older than the rest of us <laughs> because she was all back in kindergarten in parentheses. I'd still like to know how you get held back in kindergarten. <laughs> what do you do? Fail milk and cookies? Yeah. Get an incomplete <laughs> Fail <in> nap time? <laughs> well, anyway, we all found out. Ouch. You know, Lizzie, that is so awfully insensitive. Maybe Kate is dyslexic. Maybe there is some type of learning disability that she had to work through. Maybe she's lactose intolerant. <laughs> she failed milk and cookies. Oh, Lizzie McGuire. What a dirk. Yeah, but anyways, the garden party is going to go really poorly. William's parents, or I guess really his mom, is just going to really snub Tallulah. And after the party... William is going to drive them both back to the bayou and he's going to tell Tallulah, can you go inside? I need to talk to Darcy Lou for a minute. And then he tells Darcy Lou, she can't bring her mom anymore. <laughs> your mom cannot come to these outings. Yeah, and it's me or your mom. It's me or your mom. And this is going to make Darcy Lou so mad that they break up. Well, William, if you're telling me I can take it or leave it, then I choose to leave it. And you. <laughs> this really, the arc of this relationship was so fast. <laughs> Just like that. It was her dream, and then it was over. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Lizzie McGuire. Uh, what, with Ronnie? With everything. She has a dream, <laughs> and then it is over. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no one talks about her mother like that, and William's going to drive away, and the only person now that Darcy Lou wants to see is Gator. Yes, there's a great... Burn here also. Another fantastic note. Darcy Lou says, I don't need to, and I'm not your honey. And frankly, after a good hard look at your stuffy, boring, judgmental world, you can have it. I'll take life here any day. Thank you very much. And then Lizzie says, You've just been christened Titanic, dwee boy. Get ready to swim. <laughs> oh my God. That was a good one. All right. Get uh, ready to swim. Get ready to swim. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Gator's gone. So Gator is apparently a botany whiz. First time we've ever heard this, ever. This subplot came out of nowhere. And he's gone to a special school in California to really hone in on his botany. California. There he went. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So mind you, there's like seven pages left of the book. <laughs> there's a lot to wrap up here, but they're going to do it in the next seven pages. The pacing of this book is <laughs> wild. It's like such a slow burn for the first like 75 pages. And then all of a sudden it's like a real roller coaster. True. It takes us like 45 to 50 pages just to get to the truth about Ben Turpin. And then from there it is just a roller coaster. All right. So a year passed, a year passed. Um, and Darcy Lewis has no idea where Gator is. Lizzie notes that if Gordo had left like this, she'd shrivel up and die. Profound. Um, so for the next year, Darcy Lewis is going to help Tallulah with her flowers until Tallulah is like, can you stop? <laughs> can you please 
move out. Can you please like go live your own life? But also like she's 17 at this point. Like she's, <laughs> she's still very, very young. And Tallulu. Tallulu. Tallulu Bell. I mean, but yeah, Tallulah is done. Tallulah wants her life back so much for this best friendship. She's like, Darcy Lou, Beignet, get out of my house. <laughs> Darcy, <laughs> I love, this was probably one of my favorite quotes. But mama, what will I do? Where will I go? <laughs> Tallulah hands Darcy Lou basically a newspaper that has a contest for a scholarship to college in another part of the state. And so Darcy Lou is going to enter the contest, and she wins because apparently <laughs> Darcy Lou's a writer. Yeah, that 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 subplot happens in like three sentences, um, literally one paragraph. Boom. Yeah. All right. So she's about to go off to college when there's a knock on the door. Guess who it is? Oh it's, my God! It's Gator. It's Gaston, and he is not only here; he's undergone a massive, <laughs> massive transformation. He's hot now. Yeah, he's hot now. He's hot. Gone wore his raggedy overalls and overgrown hair. He now wore pleated belted pants with a knife sharp crease, a snow white shirt, a silk tie, and even a snappy blue blazer. Wait a second. This is literally the same description of what (laughs) William Chatelaine was wearing. And so. And his sandy brown hair was trimmed short and brushed back. With his tall, strapping form, Darcy Lou decided he looked about as good as any young man could because she could not love Gator for who he was, for being her best friend. It's okay now. She can't love him unless he's because hot. Because he's hot. Yeah. So Gator's going to take Darcy Lou back on the boat like they always do, um, or I guess as they always did when they were younger, and he asks her to marry him. <laughs> they haven't seen each <laughs> other in months, but he's going to show up out of the blue hot and ask her to marry him. And she says yes. Wild. He has no bling, but he's going to make a ring out of orchids that some, for some, I guess they just grow in the wild. So why does Tallulah need a job? It just like orchids? comes out of nowhere too. Like, okay, I'm so sorry. But it's just like, he doesn't profess his love, right? He says, do you love me, Darcy Lou? <laughs> <laughs> Like, he makes her say it first. Do you love me? If not, I won't ask you to marry me. <laughs> exactly. I yeah, it's do, con- It's a conditional marriage. It's a conditional marriage. But yeah, they've had no conversations about how they feel about each other ever. So really just going out on a, going on a whim here. Will you marry me, Darcy Lou Beignet? <laughs> well, not only that, then Darcy Lou threw her arms around Gator and kissed him so long, she reckoned it might just have made the Guinness <laughs> Book of World Records. wild... <laughs> It's the early 1950s. <laughs> I don't know when the Guinness Book of World Records started. What a melding of times this sentence is. But it feels like, ugh. Anyways, yes, we have like three pages left. Three pages. Three yeah. pages. Still so much is going to happen. Yes, we go from show, show, like the first 40 pages and it's like, let's just like info dump. Like, let's just tell it all. Let's just, let's get this This is kind of like an episode of Lizzie McGuire where it's so much set up and then they're like, oh. No this, execution. <laughs> we reached the page limit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, So they're going to get married, but they have to finish college first because that's how this works in the 1950s. Also in the 1950s, like the notion of like Darcy Lou even going to college would be pretty radical. It would be. Gator is going to transfer out of his fancy school in California to a school in Louisiana so that they can be closer together. 
at the end of his college experience, Gator is going to get a trip funded to the Galapagos, which is also going to double as their honeymoon. Darcy Lou, run. <laughs> um, and this leads us to the end of the book, which I believe is the part of the book that we get in the show. Yes, it's the final scene. Is it the part that they're like enacting in like the black and white? I believe so. Yes. Yes. Are you going to read it for us? Are you yes. going to engage in a dramatic reading? I would love to. All right. Hold on. I would like to please set the mood for this dramatic reading. <laughs> Finally, the time came. Gator was waiting out front in the car, and Darcy Lou went inside to give her mother one last hug. Tallulah was on the veranda with a look on her face like a bayou cloudburst. Darcy Lou watched her through the French doors, like staring into a thousand futures. Mama? I'm fixing to go now, Mama. Mama? <laughs> said Darcy Lou. Before you go, Darcy Lou, said Tallulah. Ah, I want you to have this. Tallulah handed Darcy Lou a small box. Darcy remembered this box. She'd seen it once before when Tallulah had revealed to Darcy Lou who her father really was. Oh, Mama, said Darcy Lou as she opened the box to look inside. It's the bracelet Ben Turpin gave you. Darcy couldn't believe it. She knew how much this bracelet meant to her mother. Why are you giving it to me, Mama? Mama. Oh, sugar. Tallulah. Hi. <laughs> Wherever you go, well, that's where my heart and soul have to be. And when I die and sink beneath the bayou, <laughs> part of me will always be with you. With tears in her eyes, Darcy Lee ran to Tallulah and threw herself into her mother's arms. Oh, Mama, Mama, I want us to be friends. Friends forever. Oh, I'm so glad, sweet potato, said Tallulah, and I can finally say it. Welcome to the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club. Oh, Mama. Oh, it's so good to be here, Mama. It's so good to be here, said Darcy Lou. Then she kissed her mother one last time. Someday, Darcy Lou would return to her beloved home. Until then, she knew she'd just have to carry its memory, along with the deep love for her dear mother safely in her heart and that's just what she did as she headed right through the front door and into that bright new horizon called the future the end wow what a dramatic reading thank you for um enlightening us with that i just cannot get through the <laughs> and when i die and sing beneath the bayou bud well what i can't get past is darcy lou saying that she's gonna kiss her mom one last time that's so ominous that is <laughs> like what is gonna happen to Lou? or what do you think happen? do you think it's darcy lou who dies or is it Tallulah who dies why is it one last time See, I think it just means one more time before she leaves, like very, but like. Oh, I interpret it as like, they're never going to see each other again. I'm assuming one of them will die. That's very dark. I'm assuming it's Darcy Lou, so that Cholula has to live with even more trauma. Trauma. Mama? Yeah, she. Some, some mama trauma. Yeah, she gets like dysentery oh. or like some virus in the Galapagos. She gets eaten <laughs> by a giant tortoise. Oh my God. Can you imagine that conversation? Oh, mama. What sweet potato? I, I, 
had my leg bitten by a Galapagos <laughs> tortoise. <laughs> and that is the orchids in Gumbo Poker Club. No, we're not done yet. No, I know. What? I know. We have to do the about the I author. Know. About I the author. About the book. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh my gosh. But the about the author is part of the book. Okay. All right. About the author, uh, Magnolia Praline. What What do we know about Magnolia Praline? Can I just say this is one of the most wild about the authors <laughs> I have ever read. My author bio is literally three nondescript sentences. This is um like uh, biographical information. I mean, they pinpointed specific moments in Magnolia Praline's life that were specifically for that were like especially formative. It is. Magnolia Praline was born and raised in Louisiana. When she was 10 years old, her New Orleans home burned to the ground during an unfortunate 4th of July weenie roasting incident. (laughs) Again, the time periods in this book do not lie. You don't think weenie roasting accidents are just timeless? I think the phrase weenie roasting (laughs) is very specific. It is, yes. Magnolia then migrated with her mother and younger brother to the home of her mother's family, Sweet potato farmers who lived along a bayou in Louisiana. Largely autobiographical, The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club was written by Magnolia when she was still in college. After college, she married a botanist who had also been a childhood sweetheart. She traveled the world with him in search of rare flowers. Magnolia eventually returned with her husband to the southern Louisiana bayous where she wrote poetry and painted alligators in the style of the French Impressionists. She became the mother of six and the grandmother of nine before passing away in the early 1990s. Her last request was to be buried in her mother's treasured bracelet and her favorite alligator shoes. Magnolia Magnolia Praline. Praline. Yes. Okay, so out of five stars, what would you rate the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club? Oh, boy. The actual plot of the book itself and not like what the book is doing with the Lizzie stuff. Like just... Just based on like the content of as a package, as a package, as a package, I feel like two stars is generous. Okay, so you're in the one and a half star range. Yes, I'm very low. What if I were to tell you this book on Goodreads has a score of 4.07 stars? What out of five? Yes, people are very high on this book, even though it's wildly ridiculous. Um, how many reviews does it have or ratings does it have? It has 286 ratings. Oh, that's very low. Okay. It small is sample size. Small sample size, but the people have spoken and they, <laughs> they believe strongly in this book. These might be the same people as IMDb. I think when you read any good book review, obviously there are going to be your extremes, your one stars and your five stars, and they can be a little bit opinionated. But if you really want to understand the essence of the book, a good three star review is uh, what you're really looking for. And so... Here's a three-star review from Jack Reynolds. And Jack Reynolds says, I'm really happy this exists. Despite the continuity errors, the abrupt ending, and a few of Lizzie's notes uh, being irritating, the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club put a smile on my face. It was fun to see what events in the novel paralleled Lizzie's life in the show and movie. I really liked Darcy Lou's relationship with her mom. The setting was very vivid, and I didn't mind when the story went in a Cinderella direction. Three stars. Okay. On the flip side, here's a five-star review that's coming in hot from uh, Suki. And Suki said, 
I really like this book because it's part of the volume of Lizzie McGuire. I used to love her shows on TV, so I brought her volume to read. In this book, she writes doodles on the margins like she's interpreting the book like we do in school. I think that it's a really romantic, uh, I think that it's really romantic where her family helps Darcy to get into a ball she wants to go to and find her love. But at the end, her love is the person she knows. I think that if you want to find a person to love, why not look closer and not farther? The people who are closer are always the ones that know you well. It will always happen in the in the movie where the main character knows the person she loves the most is the one she's most comfortable with and plays together in their childhood. Okay. That's just how it goes. Give me a one star. You would like a one star? There's no reviews with the one stars. I would have to go to the two stars. Like no one who gave no one who left a one star review also was like, let me let me back up my opinion. Here's here's the one two star review that we can read. Um, it's a long one. It's from Chelsea. And Chelsea says, Okay, so this was a fake book created for an episode of Lizzie McGuire. Remember the episode where she had to read a book for school and it was so touching she had her mom read it and it ultimately brought them closer together? Well, Alice Alfonsi finally brought that book to life. The Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club is the tale of a girl on the bayou that just wants to learn the truth of her dad, create fun stories, and maybe fall in love. Enter William, a boy from a rich family that one of Darcy's aunts, referred to by the French term Tante, was once a nanny of. He's perfect, and Darcy's perfect for him because she's different. She takes him to the swamps and then sneaks into a masked ball to show a Cinderella tale mixed with Romeo and Juliet as his rich family would never allow him to marry a girl from the bayou. And randomly, he goes from not caring what his family thinks to suddenly being embarrassed by Darcy's mother. So she dumps him and randomly marries her best friend she had ditched in favor of William. His name was Gator. Tallulah, though present in the story, wasn't the focus. Neither was her relationship with her daughter. Instead, the focus being on Darcy growing up and dealing with crushes on boys. So I'm not sure why Lizzie or her mother would have this emotional connection other than the closing paragraph of the book. It was a neat idea, and I had picked it up merely out of curiosity. Might be fun for fans of the show to glance at, but honestly, it was a terrible mess of a story. Lizzie's notes were distracting and made zero sense in the scheme of everything. Yeah, that hits. And I that is, concur. That is the TLDR of this entire <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that is it. So thank you, Chelsea, for summarizing that really quickly. And um, yeah, this was not my favorite book. It happened. It was an experience. We lived it. And now it's over. <laughs> and now it is over. Marissa, there's a full list of the Lizzie McGuire like, book universe in the cover of this book. There is. There's like four. Well, no, there's 10 books here. Plus... A quiz book, and then a book called "Don't Even Go There: A Little Book of Lizzieisms." Have you have you read all these books? I have read quite a many of them. There's one number ten is Lizzie Hart Ethan. I know I had pictured this. I, I I definitely had many of these books. I bet that they still exist somewhere in my parents' house. Um. Yeah. So that's the Orchids and Gumbo Poker Club for you. It is. Yeah. Um. Marissa, I have a wild movie for you next week, if you are curious. Oh, boy. This movie is from 2016, and I will say off the bat, it is a rated R movie, so it's a little bit out of the demo. It was from 2016, and IMDb rates it 3.6 out of 10 stars. Not great. The premise is two college students, Danny and Sarah, are strangers until they wake up together after a night of partying. Told in reverse order... The story follows what happens the night before. 
Wait a second. Hold on. I just looked this up and I'm already in because do you see who this one of the stars of this movie is? Well, the star of the movie is, of course, Clayton Snyder, Ethan Craft himself. I didn't but even for, know he was still acting in 2016. Oh, yes, he was. But for some reason, <laughs> Cody Calafiore. Cody Calafiore. <laughs> winner of Big Brother, um, what is it, 22? Yes. Is on the cover of the movie. He's in the movie. He is in the movie. Unclear what role he plays in the movie, but yes, this movie has Ethan Kraft <laughs> Cody and Cody Calafiore from Big Brother. <laughs> This is wild. Is it? It is truly wild. And, oh, you know how I actually found this? Because you know who else is in this movie? Who else? Another Lizzie McGuire alum, Jake Thomas. Really? Jake Thomas is also in this movie. So Clayton Snyder, Jake Thomas, and randomly Cody Calafiore are all in this movie. Cody Calafiore is is credited as television actor. I mean, this is a feature film. This is post Big Brother 16 when he was runner up to, um, what's his name, Derek? Derek? Yeah, the the PI. That was 2014. So this is post his first Big Brother run. Okay, let's do it. I don't think anybody's going to listen to this, but let's do it. This is going to be a really deep cut. If you are a big Clayton Snyder fan um, or a big, I guess, Jake Thomas fan, or maybe you've watched like this. Or if you just like listening to us banter yeah. <laughs> for... An hour, or maybe if you're a Cody Calafiore fan, you know, maybe we've maybe we've pulled the Big Brother demo. Yeah, pulled in the. I mean, hey, they liked when we did our Big Brother simulations. So true. Yeah, this movie can be streamed right now on the streaming service Tubi for free. So, if you're curious where you can watch this movie, um, the source is Tubi. T U B I. I don't even know what to say. I I'm still processing the fact that this movie exists. Right off the heels of being subjected to the Orchid and Gumbo Poker Club, we're just really going off the rails over here. (laughs) I mean, I can think of no better way to have a podcast that's not in a closet than to engage in this movie. (laughs) What happened last night? Because honestly, what happened last (laughs) night? (laughs) Yeah, so stay tuned for that chaos. But as always, you can follow us. At Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Can email us at Outfit Repeaters Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. If you liked this and you want to check out any of our earlier episodes, you can do that at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters, or on any platform where podcasts are available. And be sure to tune in next week if you so desire. To listen to our recap of what happened last night, starring Clayton Snyder, Jake Thomas, and Cody Calafiore. I think we're all gonna be like, "What happened last <laughs> I think night?" So too. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>